This is the story of how fire, cows, and bison keep the world's most endangered ecosystem healthy. It's just such a sense of calm and peace out here. Try to return some of this history to the landscape. You're listening to Nature Talks, the Nature Conservancy of Canada podcast. Fascinating stories about nature, why we need it in our lives, and the passionate Canadians helping to protect it. I'm Tiffany Cassidy. This is Episode 5, The World's Most Endangered Ecosystem. I'm driving down a bumpy gravel road in southwest Saskatchewan. I just passed the sign that says, not an all-weather road. I last saw another person two hours ago, but I need to travel to remote places to find what I'm looking for. This remote landscape is home to the world's most endangered ecosystem. I'm pulling up to Old Man on His Back Prairie and Heritage Conservation Area, a Nature Conservancy of Canada site. 13 thousand acres of native grasslands. If you've never seen open grasslands, this is what surrounds me. Open grass, no trees. You might stumble on a cactus in the field. It's as dry as you can get without being a desert. Rolling hills of grass as far as you can see, meeting the sky. You can't see or hear signs of any other people. This is where the Nature Conservancy of Canada's Natalie Hassett works, managing the land. It's a real special area. I mean, there's no other houses around, and it's definitely, I i mean, it's close to the middle of nowhere. <laughs> it definitely feels like, yeah, you're kind of the only one out here. It's definitely a sense of, yeah, kind of being on your own and, you know, being at one with nature. When we think about endangered ecosystems, we may think of rainforests or coral reefs, but temperate grasslands are actually the world's most endangered ecosystem. 50% of the original grasslands across the world are gone. Where we are now, five hours southwest of Regina, is one of the best examples of North America's remaining native grassland habitats. We're walking to explore the site. Many grassland animals, the ones out here, are species at risk, meaning their numbers have been declining rapidly, and without help, may soon disappear. But what's interesting is out here, they can seem common. The Nature Conservancy of Canada property is a refuge. Even if you can't always see the animals, you can usually hear them. It's just such a sense of calm and peace out here. But at the same time, you know, when it is silent and you take a minute to listen, like you can hear the busyness of the grassland around you as well. Like if it's a bee buzzing or yeah, a bird chirping or whatever, it's like you're alone, but never really alone. The late Peter Butala and his wife and acclaimed writer Sharon Butala donated a portion of this site in 1996. And one of Peter's dreams came true in 2003. The Nature Conservancy of Canada reintroduced 50 wild plains bison. 
Bison are an important part of the ecosystem. You just need to look around to see how. So right down here, we have a patch of bison fur that would have snagged on some of this older grass. Um, it kind of comes off in little tufts or mats. And you can kind of see here that some of the grass has actually been incorporated into this. So as you can see, you can kind of pull it apart and whatnot. And that was what a bird would do to make the nest. So this fur just got ripped off and now it's here and a bird will probably find this and patch it up with its nest sometime soon. Yeah, it's got excellent kind of uh, thermoregulation properties as well as it absorbs the moisture. So it's really neat to see that that the birds use that. Um, you'll also find the bison wallows. They like to, of course, scratch and they wear away a lot of the grass in areas. And water will collect there and you'll see the grassland birds drinking from those from those wallows as well. So yeah, it's really neat to kind of see the interaction between the different species. Bison aren't the only thing changing the landscape. For thousands of years, grasslands have evolved with these disturbances. So now, they need them. One of those disturbances? Fire. New research here is looking at how fire and grazing make these grasslands healthier. Both change grasslands to make it a better habitat for the species that live here. Because they occurred for thousands of years, and they will occur for thousands of years more, um, that species have become adapted to. Uh, if you don't have those conditions, they don't have the habitat they require. They don't persist. That's Dale Gross. He's leading up this research. In the past, fire would ignite across the prairies through lightning strikes. Indigenous peoples would also light fire as a way of attracting bison. The bison would come to the spot to eat the regrowth of plants. Now, scientists need to light fires to mimic the disturbances that happened for thousands of years— it's called a prescribed burn, intentionally burning the grass. And it's more than just dropping a match. It takes months of preparation and is only done when conditions are just right. Tim, we're going to light the line up to where the 6x6 six six is and then stop it. Good. We're at the prescribed burn at the Nature Conservancy of Canada's Old Man on His Back. More than 20 people are here helping out Dale and his research team. They're just getting started. By the end, they will have burned 30 acres, the size of almost 80 NHL hockey rinks. Dale and the crew are preparing with shovels, water jugs, and everything needed to control the fire. They carefully run a torch along the grass. They connect the ends of the fire in a triangle pattern to cut it off, and the fire burns towards itself. The whole prescribed burn will take three days. They're doing it slowly, only when the wind, temperature, and humidity levels make it safe. It might seem unusual or even shocking that conservationists are burning plants, but it's necessary for the health of grasslands. Fire is great at removing the dead grass above the ground. It's so common to think of grass as what you see. Uh, it's, they're icebergs. You know, uh, most of what a grass plant or a prairie plant is is 70% of it's underground. But they're resistant, resilient to these types of disturbances because they've evolved under them for thousands of years. With grasslands, you have to use your imagination to see the whole thing. These roots underground hold carbon that they pull from the air. 
the nutrients of the spire will feed them to regrow healthier plants. Soon, plants will grow where right now there are flames. Bison or cattle will be attracted to this fresh food and they'll drop manure there, dumping nutrients into the soil. And then when uh, rains come and when cattle come and stomp through there, those nutrients are incorporated into the soil uh, to be uptaken eventually by the plants themselves in their roots to regrow again. You know, so it's a, a, there's a feedback um, that are important to understand. And they happen because this has always happened. Fire and cattle work together to keep the land healthy. On most grasslands in North America, cattle have replaced bison as the grazers keeping the land healthy. Dale wants to see whether ranchers can make cows graze even more like bison. He and master's student Hannah Hilger have collared some of these cows and bison with tracking devices to follow their grazing patterns. Dale's tracking them to see what moves them to different grass. A couple of days pass at the burn patch, and Dale confirms what he thought would happen. Curious animals are coming by to check out the area. Pronghorn, an animal that looks a lot like an antelope, come by. When cattle are put back onto this pasture in a couple months, we'll see if they are attracted to the burn patch. Dale's doing this work for a purpose. To try to return some of this uh, history history to the landscape because it is a, a necessary part of how you maintain a variety of species in their habitats. Healthy grasslands are a refuge for lots of grassland animals, but they've also become a refuge for an endangered animal you wouldn't expect. That's after the break. The Nature Conservancy of Canada is a national charity. We protect important natural areas for the species that need them. Species from bison to humans. How much do you know about Canada's grasslands? Test your knowledge and learn about how we're protecting them at natureconservancy.ca slash podcast. That's nature, C-O-N-S-E-R-V-A-N-C-Y dot C-A. Keeping these grasslands healthy means a lot for the animals that have been here for thousands of years. But like all ecosystems, this one's changing. I'm meeting Joe Poisson in Regina where he lives. Joe's a bat expert who digitally records the sounds of bats all over North America. Last summer, he decided to record at Old Man on His Back. And what he found blew his mind. The endangered little brown bat. Finding the bat was completely unexpected because... Uh, well, they roost in cavities. And if you imagine the prairie, it's not really somewhere that's, I should say, tree cavities. But the prairie just isn't somewhere that trees would exist. If you had a drone and you flew up straight up from OMB and you looked around, there's just, there's nothing but grass. So to have these bats, it's just, it's really cool for the species. Joe records sounds of bats with his Anabat, and he shows me how he sets it up. When I get to where I'm going, I, I have a, a pelican waterproof case, and I'll, to set it up, basically I, I have my Anabat, which is a, a, little, a little box with a microphone on it. <laughs> and the way the Anabat works is it will, it will capture the bat's call, and it slows it down, 
So bats, uh, basically they have their calls start at about 20 kilohertz, which is just at the upper range of human hearing. So if you're, if you're at a cave, you might hear like a really faint click of a bat. That's the low end of its, of its call. And so the antibat records their call and slows it down and makes it in, into a sound that we can perceive and hear. So I can, I can turn the antibat on and you can hear sort of, if you, if you rub your fingers together, you can kind of hear a faint sort of hiss. But if you, if you use the antibat, what happens is, that's, that's ultrasonic sound that, that my fingers are making that we can't hear. When Joe left this overnight at Old Man on His Back, here's what he heard. The little brown bat. Joe thinks it must be roosting in structures like old brick buildings, hibernating at a few degrees Celsius. And here's why that's exciting. In 2006, researchers discovered one of the biggest threats to bats, a disease introduced from Europe, a fungus called white-nose syndrome. Somebody was doing some bat surveys in the winter, and they found thousands of dead bats at the mouth of a cave in uh, New York State. And after doing some research, they discovered that there was a fungus that was actually growing on their tissue, and it just started killing them off, and it started spreading through eastern North America as bats were kind of moving in the summer and overlapping their ranges and breeding. This fungus is affecting bat populations across half the continent. The fungus grows on their faces and exposed skin while they are hibernating, turning their noses white. If you imagine a bat, it's basically, in the winter, it's a battery. It has a certain amount of fat store. And what happens with white nose is that it makes the bat wake up. And every time a bat wakes up, it burns body fat. And it has a limited amount of body fat. And once it runs out, there's no insects for them to feed on in the winter to like build more fat, and they end up dying. This likely isn't the historical range of the little brown bat. But if Joe's recordings prove they are here, then they must be hibernating here. Because little brown bats don't migrate far it raises the possibility that the protected grasslands at Old Man on His Back may be a refuge for bats from white-nose syndrome. The fact that they exist in the prairies and it's a place where, in a lot of cases, parasites and fungus, they just don't, they can't survive because it's so dry. It, it gives these bats the ability to probably persist long-term and, and not be affected by the white-nose. Finding little brown bats on the grasslands shows their ability to adapt, and their ability to survive will have ripple effects on biodiversity as a whole. The Nature Conservancy of Canada and passionate volunteers are starting to build bat boxes out at Old Man on His Back. The hope is that in the long term, in five to ten years, bats will start roosting in them, making the prairies an even better refuge. For animals you would expect, animals you might not expect, and animals you can't always see but can often hear. The Nature Conservancy of Canada does amazing things, like returning bison to their native grasslands and protecting some of the world's most endangered ecosystem. This work is only possible because generous people like you donate. If you would like to support this work, go to natureconservancy.ca slash podcast and click on the big orange donate button. All amounts make a difference. Like what you heard on our podcast? Subscribe to future episodes on your favorite app. Give us a tweet using the hashtag NatureTalksPodcast 
share it with a friend, or email us at podcast at natureconservancy.ca. And if you're looking to explore the amazing places we talk about on this podcast, go to natureconservancy.ca slash podcast to see our sites that you can visit. Next time, we're staying on the grasslands, but learning about a much, much smaller species, one that you've probably never seen, considering there are fewer than 500 individuals left in the world. The Nature Conservancy of Canada is trying to save it from extinction. Thanks to Dale Gross and Joe Poisson for sharing their stories and research with us. Thanks to Natalie Hassett for her expertise and everyone at the Nature Conservancy of Canada who put this podcast together. And thanks to Pop-Up Podcasting. Some of the birds you heard were from the Macaulay Library at the Cornell Lab of Ornithology, from recordists Will Hirschberger and Jeffrey A. Keller. Our theme music is by Carly Dow, NCC staffer slash musician. She's at carlydowmusic.com. I'm Tiffany Cassidy. Thanks for listening. <laughs>